This morning, I want us to continue our walk through the book of Philippians. We come to the third chapter of Philippians. Uh, We're in the middle of that third chapter. We'll begin at verse 12. If you have your copy of Scripture or if you're following along in the Bible app, then uh, join us there in Philippians chapter 3. You know, when, uh, when you watch the uh, serial kind of TV shows, uh, you, were the, you know, those that you have to kind of watch every week to keep up with, to know what's happening, uh, oftentimes they will begin each episode with previously on The Good Doctor or whatever it is you're watching, you know, last week, and they'll remind you of the story, get you caught up a little bit. Well, we need to do that this morning because you cannot fully understand or appreciate verses 12 through 16 unless you remember what we just talked about in verses 1 through 11. Last week, we looked at those first 11 verses in which Paul was saying, don't let the legalists steal your joy. Remember, the theme for the book of Philippians is choose joy. And as you choose joy, one of the things that you're going to have to choose is that I I choose that I'm not going to let legalists steal my joy. And Paul was dealing with some folks that we call Judaizers that uh, felt like, like in order to be a Christian, you first had to become a Jew. You had to be circumcised and keep up with the law, and you had to be a Jew first, and then you could be a, a Christian. And Paul was saying, no, all you have to do is really trust in Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. So he did all the work. You don't have to do any more work because it's not about you. In when you have a relationship with him, you abide in him, then that's all you need. So he was, he was addressing those issues, and he did so very clearly. He said, you know, really, if, um, if you had to be a Jew first, well, then I'd be at the top of the list. He said, I'm, I'm probably the, uh, he, I mean, Paul really was, was one of the most Jewish Jews you could have ever known. You know, he, uh, he said, I'm the Hebrew of the Hebrews. Uh, according, uh, if, you, if you look at how we kept the law, uh, Paul says, I was a Pharisee. You look at how much zeal we had, man, I was out there persecuting the church. I mean, you look at, at keeping the rules and I kept them all. Even from the, the time I was eight days old and first, and, and, and that's when I got circumcised at eight days old, just like you're supposed to. And from then on, I kept the, he said, I, wa- I had it all. I checked off all the boxes. And then he said, but all of that stuff that I did, I now count as rubbish when you compare it to knowing Christ. All that stuff, my whole resume, he says, I count it as trash when I compare it to the joy of knowing Christ. And then he ends that little paragraph in verses 10 and 11, uh, basically by saying uh, the most important thing to me is to know him. I want to know him so much that uh, since he suffered for me, I'm willing to suffer for him. And I want to know him so much that I get to experience his resurrection by walking with him every day and knowing that he's here. And one of these days, 
I want to have an experience of my own kind of a resurrection because that even that will make me more like Jesus. So he said, I, above all things, I want to be like him. Now, with that as our background, hear what he says beginning in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this. He says, I'm not like Jesus yet. I'm not perfect yet. I'm not there. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, it is by grace Christ made Paul one of his own. Now Paul wants to make Christ-likeness his own. He wants to be like Christ in order to bring glory to the one who changed his life. And so he says, I'm not there yet, but I press on to make that happen. Verse 13, he says, brothers, now remember in Greek um, that uh, they would have read that more like siblings. There wasn't a separation in masculine and feminine nouns. They would have heard siblings, brothers and sisters. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. So he says in verse 12, I'm not there, but I press on. He said in verse 13, I'm not there, but I press on. He is working at becoming more like Jesus. And and friends, that's the point of this whole next paragraph. That is that you are not perfect. You are not like Christ yet. But my question is, are you getting closer? Paul said, I'm not there, but I'm pressing on. I'm going to keep working at it. The runner knows that joining the race is not the point. Getting to the finish line is the point, right? And so I know you're not at the finish line yet, but are you running the race well? Are you getting closer every day? Today, are you more like Jesus than you were yesterday? Tomorrow, will you be more like Jesus than you are today? In this context, we can easily say that progress is success. You're not like Jesus yet. You're not perfect. But are you making progress? Progress is success. And because progress is success, I want us to, I want to share with you this morning some keys to success. Keys to success. You could apply these in all kinds of different uh, areas of life, by the way. Uh, You can take these same keys and apply them to success in business, success in marriage, success in education. But I want to encourage you to apply them the same way Paul did. Apply these keys to success in how can I be successful in becoming more like Jesus. Let me share with you the keys to success. And the first one is to be focused. To be focused. Did you hear that in verse 13? He says, brothers, I I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. And you say, Paul, Paul had one thing to do. Paul was a busy guy. 
I mean, he was traveling all over the place. He was starting churches. He was pastoring churches. He was, uh, he was preaching and teaching, and he was all over the place. He was hanging out in jails, and he was getting arrested, and he was, he was, uh, uh, he was in a shipwreck, and he got snake bitten, just all over. I mean, Paul was a busy guy. How does he say one thing I do? Well, because all of those other things he was doing, those were the means to the end. His one thing was to become more like Jesus. In order to do that, he did all that other stuff. But in his mind, there was one thing for him to do. If you're going to win that race, you have to know where the finish line is. You can't win a race if you don't know where you're going. You don't know the destination. The first key to success is to be focused, to, to, to have that one thing. The secret is to have a singular purpose, to be honed in and focused on that finish line. Maria Sharapova was very, is a very successful, world-renowned. Uh, she came to fame as a tennis player. She told her story recently and explained her success she said, I've had a very singular path in my life toward becoming a successful athlete. She had a singular path in her life. She had a focus. She tells the story how she first came to this country because as a very young child, there was a coach who saw something in her and said, you know, you really ought to go to the United States and learn to, to compete in tennis. And from that day, as a, as a young child, she had a singular focus, what she calls a singular path. Major League Baseball celebrates Jackie Robinson Day each year on April 15. April 15 was the year that he signed his contract and um, kind of uh, played a big role in uh, shattering the racial barriers in baseball. So they celebrate that every year with Jackie Robinson Day. Well, this year, uh, since they couldn't play ball in April, uh, they celebrated Jackie Robinson Day just a couple of days ago, August 28. Jackie Robinson deserves to continue to be honored every year. He, he was not only uh, a leader in breaking that racial barrier, but he also was a phenomenal baseball player. When Jackie Robinson stood up at the plate, there was a good chance that ball was going over somebody's fence. He was an amazing player. He was given the nickname Mr. October because he would always shine in the postseason playoffs. October is when they would, uh, they'd be able to play those playoffs. And he, he, always, he always really performed well in postseason Reggie once said in an interview that he lived for the postseason. But he knew that in order to get to the postseason, he had to get through the regular season. His secret to success in the regular season was to keep his eye on October. If you and I are going to be successful in anything, but especially if we're going to be successful in becoming like Christ, we have to be focused. We have to know where the finish line is. We have to know that our goal is Christ-likeness. 
The second key to success is to leave the past. Leave the past. He said in that, in that very powerful and, and uh, well-known verse, he said, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. After the one thing, he says, I forget what lies behind. The past is over. We need to leave it there. You know, the runner is not going to win that race if he gets up to the starting line and they start the race, and while he's running, he just keeps looking back at the starting line. If he's going to win the race, his focus can't be on the starting line. It's got to be on the finish line. He's got to be looking forward. You have to leave the past. That's why in Luke chapter 9 at verse 62, Jesus made a very interesting statement in which he said, he who puts his hand to the plow but looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Here's a guy who, who is ready to work. He has signed up. He has showed up. He's ready to work. The plow is in the field. His hand is on the plow. He's ready to go. But he's got one problem, and that is that he's looking back. Jesus said, if you've got your hand to the plow and you're looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom. Why? Because there's no way you can plow a straight line while you're looking back. The only way they could plow straight was they'd look at a tree or a rock somewhere way off in the distance and they'd line themselves up with that tree or that rock and then they'd plow toward that goal. They were looking forward in order to be able to move forward. There are two kinds of experiences that you and I need to leave in our past. We need to leave in our past, our past successes and our past failures. Think about it. We need to leave our successes in the past. That doesn't mean pretend they didn't happen, but it means that we don't dwell on them, that we don't focus on them. The runner who, who steps up to run and he says, you know what? I keep winning. So I don't even have to try very hard. He's doomed to fail one day very soon. You have to leave your successes in the past. You ever met someone who hasn't really done anything meaningful for 20 years? And all they can talk about is their glory days, back when they were the football hero or the homecoming queen? Here's a 40-year-old man wearing his letterman jacket. It just looks odd. It's just, it just, there's something sad about somebody who hasn't accomplished anything that they can talk about in 20, 30, 40 years. They're living on their past successes, which means they're not really living. But not only do we need to leave our successes in the past, we need to leave our failures. Here's the runner who steps up to the, to the starting line, and instead of saying, I win every time, this runner steps up to the starting line, and he can't, can't stop thinking about all the races that he's lost, and he says, you know, I lose all the time, so I might as well not even try, and he's doomed to fail. Paul knew better than anyone what it is to leave our past failures in the past. Here's Paul. He just went through his resume for us. What a great Jew he was, but what a horrible person. You know, Paul's job was to kill Christians. 
His job was to persecute the church, to stamp out Christianity. He had given his life to that goal and that purpose. One of these days he was on his way to Damascus for the specified, the specific purpose of persecuting the Christians in that area. And on his way to persecute more Christians, he saw this light. From the light, he heard the voice of God. His life was changed forever. And he went from persecuting Christians to pursuing Christ. Paul knew better than any of us what it means to leave your past failures behind. In the most recent Star Trek series, there's a pivotal episode in which now Admiral Jean-Luc Picard says, the past is written. The future is left for us to write. You can't change the past. It's written. But because you can't change it, that gives us reason that we don't want to focus on it. We don't want to waste time on it. It's done. What I can do is make sure that I write a better future. There's a reason that your rear view mirror is smaller than your windshield. The plan is that every once in a while, you'll glance at that rear view mirror to make sure you know you're aware of what's going on around you. You might glance at that rear view mirror every once in a while, but a large majority, almost all of your attention needs to be watching through that windshield, seeing what's in front of you moving forward. The first two keys to success, be focused. Leave the past. And the third key to success, work hard. Work hard. Here he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. Straining forward. It's, it's the picture of the runner again in the race. And here he is close to the finish line. And he is leaning forward with all he's got to get to that tape. And you know, when you're running, you can't reach out and just grab the tape like that. You, you've you, you got to break the tape. And he's leaning forward with every ounce of his effort to break that tape. That's the picture that Paul is painting here. Anybody remember seeing Ben-Hur, the old movie Ben-Hur? There's, a, there's an incredible scene in Ben-Hur. And there's a, a, it's, a, another, it's a pivotal time in the movie. The guy who winds up winning the chariot race is leaning forward, pushing. It's almost like he's pushing that chariot himself. And the guy by his side who loses the chariot race is almost standing up tall, almost arrogant, maybe even kind of leaning back a little bit. And I was going to show you that incredible picture, but the projector doesn't work. So just pretend that you saw that picture from Ben-Hur this morning. But it was, it, it was, so, it, it was such a, a powerful image for me because this is the, the, the straining forward. I'm going to keep working hard. I, I'm not going to give up until we get there. If I'm going to succeed, it's going to take hard work. The finish line will never come to you. You got to go to it. 
Christ-likeness will never just happen automatically. Christ-likeness will never happen because you listen to the right preaching or you, you read the right book. Christ-likeness will only happen when you work hard to get to your goal. The fourth key to success, press on. He, it's so important that he actually said it twice. He said it in verse 12, and he said it again in verse 14. Matter of fact, press on is the key to this entire uh, this entire sentence. This is actually one very long sentence. So far, all of those other phrases have been modifying or dis- describing press on. If you look at it uh, carefully, you'll see that. He says, I don't consider myself to have had it yet. One thing I do, while I'm forgetting what lies behind and I'm straining toward what is ahead, I press on. That's the emphasis, to press on. In other words, you don't give up when it's tough and you don't let up when it's easy. You press on. You know that I love Charles Spurgeon, quote him often. One of my favorite Charles Spurgeon quotes, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Now that's good, isn't it? By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. You press on. The father was trying to encourage his son who was talking about quitting school. The father said, son, you've heard about Thomas Edison. He didn't quit. You've heard about Albert Einstein. He didn't quit. You've heard about Abraham Lincoln. He didn't quit. You've heard about Isidore McPringle. And the son interrupted him and said, Dad, I've heard about those other guys, but who in the world is Isidore McPringle? His father said, oh, you never heard of him because he quit. You press on. If you're going to succeed, you press on. When it's hard, you keep at it. And when it's easy, you don't let up. You press on. The fifth key to success is to be determined. It's all about attitude. It's all about your attitude. If you're going to be successful, it's all about the attitude with which you enter the race. Look, he says in verse 14 again, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He was determined to get to that prize. He, wanted, he was going to meet that goal so he could get that prize. Well, what is that prize? He is longing for the prize of the upward call. What is that talking about? Well, in the Athenian games, those games that were like the Olympics before the Olympics, in the Athenian games, the runner who won the race would be announced to the whole stadium. There was, a, there was a chairman who sat in a chair way up high, and he kind of oversaw the games. He kind of made the, the, the final decisions, and he awarded the prizes and all that stuff. And he had a little dude that had a loud mouth. They called him a herald. And the herald would announce to everyone the name of the winner of the race. He would also announce the father's name, and the place that the winner was from. 
So that way, everyone in the stadium could easily identify who had won the race. And then that chairman who sat in that chair way up high would call that winner to come up to the chair to receive his reward. And the chairman would place on his head that laurel wreath that said he's, he's the winner, he's the victor. And Paul is saying, you know, I'm looking forward to that day when one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to meet my goal. I'm going to cross that finish line. And when I cross that finish line, I'm going to hear the master call my name. He's going to call me up to the chair to receive my reward. He says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, longing for that day that the chairman sitting on the throne would place on his head that, that crown of righteousness. That was his attitude. That was how determined he was to reach that goal. When Herschel was a junior in high school, he wanted to play football. But the coach told him he was too small. The coach advised Herschel to go out for track instead. Herschel didn't want to go for track, and so instead of taking his coach's advice, he, he put himself in a training program to build himself up. And a few years later, Herschel Walker won the Heisman Trophy. He was determined. It's all about our attitude going in. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 at verse 58 reminds us, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be determined. And then finally, the sixth key to success is that we go together. I don't know if you've noticed, but so far throughout this entire chapter, Paul's been speaking in first person singular. He says, I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I kept the law. I was the Pharisee. And then he, he says, uh, I haven't obtained it, but I press on, and I don't consider myself there. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies, I press on. He, he's been speaking first-person singular all this time, but his language changes in verses 15 and 16. You see here he says, let those of us, plural, let those of us who are mature, Think this way. Let those of us who are mature think along these lines of what it's going to take to be successful in becoming like Jesus. If we're mature, we ought to be in the race like, the, like this, following these keys to success. He says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us, you hear that plural again, let us hold true to what we have attained. You see, if you and I are going to be successful, if you and I are going to make it to our goal of becoming like Christ, we're going to have to do it together. I need you 
and you need me. God made us that way on purpose. For us to become more like Christ, we have to walk arm in arm. We have to stand side by side. We have to see that we are on the same team. We have to be pulling together, not against each other. Here is how we succeed at anything in life, but especially in Christ-likeness. Be focused. Leave the past. Work hard. Press on. Be determined. And go together.